Wow. Let me say that backwards. Wow. I've never felt so unneeded in my whole life. I mean, I, y'all didn't need me. I'm telling you, this was something else. I'm afraid to mess it up. I don't want to say anything in case I mess it up. But this group up here, I love them dearly. I've traveled all over America with them. And, I mean, they do this in airports. They, I mean, they'll break out singing anywhere and sharing Jesus. But what love they have and what a blessing they have been in my life. And I'm telling you, their secret is this. They love God. They love each other. They love everybody. And they will share Jesus with just about anybody that comes in. They have that opportunity. So that's why it's such a joy of me to be here and, uh, because we've been, uh, hadn't got to be together much lately. And I miss, I miss this group. But what a joy to be here in this place and uh, to spend this time uh, with you. But I do feel like a cricket after a thunderstorm, let's just be honest. <laughs> this morning I saw a beautiful butterfly. Some of them are just absolutely beautiful. And there's only one reason that a butterfly can fly. Its wings grow strong by the work it does to break through that cocoon. And they have to struggle and struggle and work and work. And if somebody comes along and wants to help them out and breaks open that cocoon, the butterfly is beautiful, but it can't fly. Why? Because its wings develop through the struggle. No struggle, no flying. Listen carefully, this is important. If we want to spend our wings and soar through life, it will require struggle and adversity. And the sooner we understand that, the better we'll get be in life because we want to fight against those very things that will make us what God wants us to be. So I want to, I want to give you a new sermon. Now, I've been preaching 58 years. I have a few thousand sermons. A few thousand. Why in the world would I want a new one? I've asked God that myself. But for some reason, he had something else in mind for me. And so I, I want to talk to you about a strong faith for difficult times because we're going to go through adversity. And my favorite guy in the Old Testament is Joseph. And in Genesis, turn to Genesis. Babis can find Genesis. I love to preach out of Genesis because Babis can find it. <laughs> Genesis chapter 37 beginning with verse 3, just a couple of verses. Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Men don't do that. That's a mistake. Because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. 
Joseph. What a man of character and sensitivity. What a godly man. Joseph's story occupies more space in the Old Testament than any other person. I mean, you name it, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, whoever. Thirteen chapters, the story of Joseph. That's how important it is. Joseph came from a very dysfunctional family. Some of you know about that. His mom, Rachel, an idolater. His dad, Jacob, a deceiver. His brothers were filled with evil and jealousy and hatred and had one goal, and that was to kill him. They wanted him dead. But listen carefully. Joseph had his family, his home, his friends, and his future all jerked away from him. He lost everything he had except his God. And the beautiful thing is he knew that his God is enough. Joseph faced three tests. And every one of us in this room will face one of these tests or two of these tests or all three of these tests. Joseph not only faced these three tests, but he was very, very successful in every one of them. He passed every test. And flying colors. The number one is the test of adversity. You know, some think if we walk with God, we won't struggle. I mean, a lot of people think that. But saved people struggle. Moses told God he wanted to die. Job cursed the day, he, the day that he was born. Jeremiah wished he had never been born. Peter denied Jesus. And then that wonderful man that we know as Paul. Listen to what he says in Romans 7. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. What wretched, miserable man I am. That's the Apostle Paul. And now we know that he's the one who wrote about half the New Testament and established about half the churches that were in existence at that time. But he conquered his adversity. And some see him as the greatest Christian in the New Testament, the greatest church planter, the greatest missionary, the greatest evangelist. How did he do it? He had a strong faith for difficult times. But most importantly, God was with him. Listen, God wants you to soar. He wants all of us to soar. But sometimes he has to stir the nest of our comfort. He has to rock our world so that we can soar. I was in Dallas on a, catching a flight and we were out there. We were number three for takeoff. Except we didn't take off. We just revved up the engines a few times and then turned around and went back. 40 minutes there. Then we go back out there. This time we finally take off. And you know, I, I'm just curious. So I asked the flight attendant, what happened? She said, what do you mean what happened? Nothing happened. 
I said, well, we went out there. We're number three for takeoff. We didn't take off. We went back. And now we, this time we took off. What happened? She said, well, the pilot didn't like the sound of number one engine. I said, what did we do? She said, we changed pilots. You see, we, we want God to change our circumstances when God wants to use our circumstances to change our hearts. God must address the things in our life that should not be there. And he does it through trials and adversity. Hebrews 12.1 No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Going through adversity is inevitable and it's unavoidable. Because we live in a fallen world, a world that's flawed by sin. We all sin. And then we raise little sinnerlings. It just keeps on going. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. No exceptions. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So let's talk about what happened to Joseph. His brothers were in Shechem, grazing flocks. And Jacob sent Joseph to check on them because they were having some problems and he was worried about them. So he sent Joseph, which was a mistake right there, to check on the brothers. The brothers saw Joseph coming and they immediately plotted to kill him because they wanted to kill him. They hated him. And one of them said, let's throw him in the pit and say a ferocious animal killed him. So when he got there, they jerked off his coat of many colors. They, you remember they hated that. And threw him in the pit. And then they sat down and had a meal. These were mean dudes. His brothers. So the brothers planned to kill Joseph, but Reuben said, no, let's don't kill him. Let's sell him, because at least we'd make some money out of the deal. And they said, well, you know, that's not a bad idea. So they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. So here's this amazing young man who has been betrayed by his family, thrown into a pit, left to die, and then taken out of the pit and sold as a slave for 20 shekels. Now he's on this caravan of Ishmaelites and he's on his way to Egypt. And no doubt, during that trip to Egypt, Joseph was praying to God. He's just 17 years old, folks, and has been through all this terrible stuff. And now he's been sold and he's in this caravan, but he's talking to God because he knows that God can intervene. He gets to Egypt. And in Egypt, the Lord was with Joseph. And he got a job immediately as a slave to work for Potiphar. And he was a great slave. I mean, he did everything right. It was amazing. And the master was so proud of him. And he put him in charge of everything. In fact, he said, the only thing I'm concerned about is what I'm going to eat. Everything else you're in charge of. Because of the character 
of this young man and his willingness to do not only what he's supposed to do, but to, to do beyond that. He was a man that you could trust at all times and in all ways. But then a famine came. And only Egypt had corn. So his brothers had to come to Egypt to get corn. And guess who's in charge of the corn? Joseph. The one they hated. The one they wanted to kill. Can you imagine the expression on their face when they saw Joseph was in charge of the corn? I mean, they knew that he was going to kill them. But they didn't know Joseph. They knew themselves, but not Joseph. Genesis 50, verse 20 is a key verse. You intended to harm me, talking to his brothers, but God intended it for good. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. Amazing. No bitterness. No revenge, no self-pity. He kept love and forgiveness in his heart. The test of adversity, he passed with flying colors. The second, the test of allurement. Now this gets harder. Things are going great with Joseph. But then something happens. His master's wife started checking Joseph out. And she liked what she saw. And so his master's wife, he was totally loyal to his master, said to Joseph, come to bed with me. Literally, have sex with me. She was shamelessly aggressive. Now, Joseph is a man. He's not a statue. He's about 20 years old. He's a man flushed with hormones. He's a man away from home. Who will know? He's a slave, and slaves are not expected to be moral. He's got every reason to say yes. But he said no. We assume she was beautiful. We know she was bold. But Joseph was also bold, and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. For two reasons. One, his loyalty to his master. Your husband has been great to me. He trusts me. He's helped me. There's no way that I can go against him. I would not do that in any way. The second reason, my loyalty to God. How can I do this great sin and wickedness? Against God. I can't and I won't. But now it gets harder. Verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph every day. A man, listen. I mean, he's, he's just a man. He's a, he's a young man. And every day this beautiful woman, and we assume that, is saying to him, have sex with me. Every day. Day after day after day. That's hard for any man. 
But Joseph refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He knew to run from allurement. And he did it. And what we learn from Joseph is that a strong faith can conquer temptation every time. You're never helpless. Because you have God, and God can help you conquer that. And it's backed up in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Listen to what it says. No temptation. It's pretty much all of them. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What an awesome God we have. Verse 11. One day he went to the house to attend his duties. He worked there in the house. He was supposed to be there. But none of the servants were there. Now, it's getting serious now because she has now figured out a way to, to try to make it easier for Joseph and she's gotten all the servants to be sure that they're not there. So she just has them to herself. And so when Joseph got there, this time she went beyond verbal advances and physically grabbed Joseph. Verse 12, she caught him by his coat, grabbed him, and said, come to bed with me. I love Joseph. He gave up his coat. He let her have his coat, but he kept his character. You can have the coat, but not my character. He did what the Bible says. Flee lust. He ran. Now she's rejected. So her lust turns to fury. And she hates him now. And she wants to do something terrible to him. Verse 13, when she saw that Joseph had left his coat in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her servants and said, this Hebrew came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed as loud as I could. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> then she told her husband the same story. And he burned with anger and took Joseph and put him in prison. Poor Joseph. I mean, he does what most men in the world would never do. He stood strong when most would have given in. He wanted to obey God regardless. And yet, he ends up in prison for doing right. He did the right thing in the right way. But now he's in prison. So what happens in prison? He becomes a model prisoner. Everything he does turns out well. Everywhere he goes, they realize this is a special man. So now he's helping the inmates. They have dreams and he's interpreting those dreams for them. And all of a sudden, what? They put him in charge of the prison. Everything he does. I mean, they see this guy so good and so loyal and so trustworthy that he now is in charge of the prison. Number three, the test of advancement. The test of advancement. Over the years, I've seen many people mess up their lives. And I know, Pastor, you have. Some cases, it's related to a sex fling, sorrow, 
adversity. But most of the time, it's related to success. Success takes so many people down. Prosperity is a greater trial than adversity. Did you get that? Prosperity is a greater trial than adversity. Money takes more people down than just about anything that we know. Someone said for, for everyone who can handle success, there are a thousand who can handle adversity. Most people can't handle success. We've all struggled at times. I remember years ago when I first came to pastor at Bossier, all of my sharp guys in the church at that time wore Rolex watches. So I got the feeling I was not cool. And that I needed a Rolex watch. So I saved up my money and I bought that Rolex watch. And from day one, I was miserable. I, every time I'd look at it, I just, I just got upset. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? So after a short period of time, I was telling one of my deacons about it. And he was more than happy to buy it from me. Deacons will do anything. <laughs> Didn't matter to him. So he bought it. In fact, we're, we're still good friends after all these years. And now he tells me how much that, that watch is worth now. He reminds me of that every time I see him. <laughs> but here's what God did in my life. When I sold him that Rolex watch, I bought me a Mickey Mouse watch. And for between 15 and 20 years, I wore a Mickey Mouse watch. And of course, you, a lot of people ask me, why do you wear a Mickey Mouse watch? It's to remind me that materialism is Mickey Mouse. Don't ever forget that. Success is where most of us fight our hardest battles. The more successful we are, the further from God we get. Everything Joseph did was successful. Everything he touched. You've known a few people like that that seen whatever they touched was successful. And he rose from the pit all the way to the palace. Potiphar bought Joseph as a slave and put him in charge of everything. Now, Potiphar is the top. Potiphar, and then he's going to, he's going to end up in the palace he just keeps rising. The Pharaoh puts him in charge now of the whole land of Egypt. Can you believe what's happening to this young man? I mean, everything he touches almost turns to gold. I mean, he just, because he's doing, he's following God. He's doing things the right way. He's honoring God. He's being honest. And God has blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. And, and by the way, he wants to bless you and me more. If we'll do like Joseph did. And so now he's over the whole land of Egypt. And, and the Pharaoh, who would be like a king, he's, he's the top over everything. He put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then he dressed him in robes of linen. He put a gold chain around his neck. He has him riding in this beautiful souped-up chariot. 
and has been going ahead of the chariot, making sure clearing the way for Joseph. Wow, how far he's come. But the truth be known, and I don't know the truth, but Joseph probably had a harder time staying close to God in advancement and riding in the chariot than he did with allurement and adversity. So he was strong with allurement and adversity. But many times and most times, success takes us down. And it can happen to any one of us. I think there are three takeaways here. Number one, adversity is one of God's gifts. Have you ever thought about adversity as a gift from God? A.W. Tozer said, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has been hurt deeply. My friend Rick Warren, who pastors out in California, was telling me one day he doesn't hire a staff member unless that staff member has been deeply hurt. Adversity allows us to unwrap the presence of the power and the purpose of God in our lives. Receiving adversity as a gift from God changes us forever. If you can realize that your adversity is a gift from God, it'll change you forever. The second takeaway, there is nothing so bad but that good can come out of it. Nothing so bad but that good can come out of it. You see, a lot of people, some bad things, oh, this is the end, this is, this, is, this is the end. Never get beyond this, never get through this. Well, you're just ruling out God. You say, how do, how do you know? How do you know that it never gets too bad? That you're somehow going to get through it? i tell you how I know. Remember when sinful men crucified Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God? Nailed Him to a cross? God took the worst possible evil and brought out of it ultimate good, eternal salvation so that you and I could be saved. The worst thing that's ever happened, Jesus, perfect Son of God, nailed to a cross. But out of that came salvation for you and me. What a wonderful Savior. God is all we now need or ever will need. You know, the next time you feel unqualified to be used by God, and a lot of people feel that way, well, I can't do anything. Remember, God tends to recruit from the pit, not the pedestal. He wants to use you, and he has something for you to do. In difficult times, we need that strong faith. Strong faith is not shaken by adversity. Strong faith is not stained by allurement. Strong faith is not spoiled by success. You want to know what you need in life? You need a strong faith. Strong faith tells us to trust God and do not panic. Trust God, do not seek revenge. Stay faithful in the pits of life hard stuff. Love God 
and love people. Some of you in this room have an overwhelming need in your life right now. The takeaway for you is that God has an overwhelming ability to meet your overwhelming need. There's nothing could happen in your life that God can't get you through it. He is all-powerful and all-loving. You will never, ever need more than God. We're graced by God. I call it trouble grace. When you get in trouble, God gives you the grace to handle the trouble. And He gives you what you need when you need it. He doesn't give you too much or too little. He gives you exactly what you need. Grace is the power of God in your life. To take what is meant to harm you and hurt you and turn it around and use it to help you and bless you. That's our God. And he's done that in my life many times. Sometimes I've told God it's over when God was warning me to know it's just beginning. A nod from God, just a nod, can get you anything. A moment of God's favor is more valuable than years and years of human effort. We need God plus nothing. I think Joseph and Paul are the best examples of my favorite verse in the New Testament, Romans 8, 28. And we know, not hope, we know that in all things, not some, God works for good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. What we need for difficult times is a strong faith. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust Him, God. You see, God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. God wants to favor you more than you want to be favored. God wants to grace you more than you want to be graced. He's just waiting on us. Three tests that every one of us have faced or will face, one, two, or three. Adversity, allurement, advancement. I don't know what your goal is. My goal is to pass everyone with flying colors, Joseph being my example, and God being my strength. And if Joseph can, you and I can, because it's the same God. Same God. Thank you for listening to a new sermon because you see the, the thing, the downside of a new sermon is one is I don't, I don't know if it's any good or not. <laughs> Two, I don't know how long it is. So you just, you just have to go with it. But I hope it's been a blessing and God's used it in your life.